as hell and I wanna get ill So I go to a place where my homeboys chill Fellas out there trying to make that dollar I pulled up in the 6-4 Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Bored as Hell podcast I'm Adam McDonald with Big Shiny Robot And I am Andy Wilson, also a Big Shiny Robot And we've got three movies for you this week We've got uh, Tim Timmerman, is that what it's called Andy? Tim Timmerman, Hope of America <laughs> This is by the uh, the Vid Angel people, so if you Google them, you'll see a lovely lawsuit going on. Yep. Uh, we also have uh, Before I Fall, uh, which is the teen drama Groundhog's Day thing. Uh, and then we'll do a brief, brief uh, look at the new live-action Beauty and the Beast. Uh, we'll do a full review later on, once it actually comes gets closer to the release day. And then we'll briefly talk about uh, Fanex, where we got panels. We do panels. Yep. We do panels. Um... So yeah, that'll that'll cap everything off. But until then, Andy, so what's this Tim Timmerman thing? So Tim Timmerman, Hope for America, as you mentioned, is being released by Vid Angel Studios, who these are the people who take your R-rated movies and take all of the objectionable content out of it. So if you want to watch a sanitized version of Game of Thrones, you can, even though that's pretty patently illegal and uh, you know every time an iteration of this business comes up they always say well we're allowed to do it and then they get smacked down with a bunch of lawsuits and it goes through the courts and no you're not allowed to do it but good for them for trying I guess yeah. no not really I we could go on and on about this i'm like if if you're okay with r-rated content be okay with r-rated content i i don't understand people who want to watch r-rated movies but don't want the content like how do you sanitize moonlight why, and why would you well they, and, they take all the gay stuff out so yeah exactly is so, uh, why why would that be anyway anyway that's another conversation but here was this movie produced by local filmmakers in Utah and this is a very Utah movie for those who are familiar with the local Utah film scene over the last 10-20 years there have been good and bad movies that have come out of it this is a bad one (laughs) Tim Timmerman is the student body president at Mont Vista High School which is a stand-in for Mountain View High School because Mont Vista (laughs) Is Spanish for Mountain View, and this is filmed in Orem and Provo, Utah, and is set in the mid-90s. Don't ask me why it's a period piece. It doesn't make sense that it's a period piece, but as someone who went to high school in Utah Valley in the mid-90s, I feel like I'm an expert to talk about this movie. Just they, a bit, yes. Yeah. They build this as Ferris Bueller meets Napoleon Dynamite. And I have something to say about this. (laughs) I bet you do. (laughs) I know Ferris Bueller. Ferris Bueller is a good friend of mine. You, sir, are no Ferris Bueller. I know Napoleon Dynamite. I know the people who made Napoleon Dynamite. You almost worked on that film. (laughs) Yeah, I, I worked with several of them. You, sir, are no Napoleon Dynamite. And other than capturing the weird hairstyles and fashion sense of Utah County in the mid-90s, this movie is 
just a weird failure. I, I don't quite understand it for billing itself as this super clean movie. Tim Timmerman almost gets expelled from school because he pockets a joint from one of his friends. And the guidance counselor at the school has this weird, creepy Mrs. Robinson thing going on, which was something we talked about with Fist Fight a few weeks ago and how creepy and inappropriate mm-hmm. that is. I don't think you can bill yourself as a clean movie when you have this 40-something woman who is very sexually aggressive towards a 17-year-old student. Ew. Ew. <laughs> no. No, 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 no. Um, so that's kind of the low points. Um, the, the high points... The the main actors in in the movie are act, actually quite charming. Uh, the the main actor is from uh, the Disney show Lab Rats, so I don't know why someone would be a fan of that and also be interested in this movie if the uh, universes of fandom between those would overlap. But I'm sure there is a sliver. There you go. It's not bad, but it's just not that great and it doesn't tell a story that I think is that interesting or that funny and uh, the the few brief moments of fun in this movie it's like that's where you should have taken your movie mm-hmm. and instead they they did something else completely different and yeah this this just doesn't capitalize on on what it could have been uh, I'm giving this two out of ten. Oh wow. Yeah, um, I would not waste your time on it unless you really have nothing better to do. And, like, let's face it, Logan came out this week. Well, yeah. But I guess the whole VidAngel crowd, they're going to wait to see Logan until they can take all of the F-words and all of the decapitations out of the movie. So, there you go. For people oh, I- who who won't go see Logan... I guess I, I don't know. I mean, it, it seems to be that people are fine with uh with the violence so long as there's no f words or boobies. That seems to be the the, the current theme up here. <laughs> oh no that that is definitely true and and there is no sex in the in the Logan movie. It's just violence, so I'm sure that's okay. Yeah, and and lastly, we'll talk about uh, when we get to Beauty and the Beast, uh, some other controversy surrounding that, which is dumb as all hell. Yes. Um, <clears throat> But, again, before we get there, we have to eat more of our vegetables. So we've got Before I Fall. Uh, so this uh, premiered at Sundance, and the, the really weird thing at Sundance this year was that so many movies, before they even got to the film festival, either one, um, had a distribution date, two, were already in talks, you picked up by someone, or three, um, were already on Netflix. So <laughs> if, you, if you missed something, it wasn't too horrible because most likely it was going to be coming to a theater near you soon and before i fall actually is one of those that um premiered there and then less than a month later is out in theaters and this tells the story of uh, young samantha kingston who's played by zoe zoe dutch I'm, I'm sure i'm messing up her name um she's a senior in high school she's got a lot going for her she's ready to go to college she's got a troop of best friends who are simultaneously inseparable also bitchy to each other you know teenage girl stuff um 
and she's having a good time. They they go uh, one day they go to um, actually Valentine's Day, which they annoyingly call Cupid's Day for the entire movie. And every time I said that, I wanted to shoot someone. Um, they go to a party and make fun of an unpopular girl, and they all leave in a, in, to go home and get in a car accident. And then boom, Zoe wakes up in bed the next day, and she's like, "Oh, that was a weird dream. What happened?" So she's out of bed, uh, starts doing her own thing, and feels a lot of deja vu because the same things start happening over and over again to the point where she's like did I just live this day in my dream last night um no not really put your little hand in mine (laughs) exactly except she wakes up at 6.50 every day not 6am um yeah, actually, 6.50 is the magic time that the day starts over. So, yeah, she's stuck in a time loop because she goes to the party again. They make fun of the girl. They get in a car accident, and she wakes up in bed. And she's like, oh, crap. Um, yeah, this is this was billed as Mean Girls meets Groundhog's Day. And as simplistic as that is, that's the best way to describe this movie because that's all it is. I mean, if you have seen Groundhog's Day, and actually I do watch it at least two times on um, the actual Groundhog's Day when they show the the, the back-to-back uh, showing of it on cable, you know exactly how this movie works out. So, Andy, do me a favor. So, how in Groundhog's Day, how does Bill Murray handle handle what's going on? Like, what are the stages he kind of goes through? Well, it's kind of like the the stages of grief, right? There's uh-huh. there's kind of denial, and then he he gets wacky with it and starts playing with it. Then he gets aggressive and starts like committing crimes and then he gets into this like kind of gestalt state where he's like constantly improving himself and has accepted it and then things kind of all fall into place yeah so you've seen before i fall you just didn't know it (laughs) oh really okay this literally happens beat for beat in this movie the only thing she doesn't do is the crime stage but she goes to the whole like oh this can't be happening this is weird to the Oh, I'm going to be mean to everyone because it, you know the future doesn't matter. There is no future. To I'm going to be brutally honest to everyone and alienate my friends and family. To finally, you know, after some introspective look at myself, um, I've been a bad person and I need to fix my life and fix the future. Even and it's beat for beat, like the moment the movie starts up with the first 15 minutes to where they get in the first car crash and the day starts over. Um, you will know exactly how this movie turns out. It's that predictable. It's that dumb, which is sad because uh, Zoe Dutch actually is a really talented actress. She does a great job as the main character Samantha, and it's really cool to see a very female-driven story um, about a young girl becoming a woman in the story and standing up for the right things, doing the right things, and not because she wants to get the boy or because society says, "Well, you have to be a proper young woman." She's like, "No." She's like, "I was a bad person. I need to fix this," and that was really cool. But there's so much extraneous BS surrounding it that you just can't enjoy it. So I give it a 6 out of 10 because it's it's not horrible. And honestly, uh, teenagers will love it. In fact, the screen I was at was mostly teenagers and young college students. <clears throat> and we walked out and the rep was like, you know, what do you think? I'm like, well, I thought it was predictable, but teenagers will love it. And behind me where there were four, four kids, they're like, oh my god, that movie was so cool. So my recommendation is if you have teenagers, take them to see this movie ditch them and go see Logan because you'll both you'll, you'll have fun that way so that works and and those teenagers have never seen Groundhog's Day so the that's probably fine <clears throat> what's one of those oldie movies so they, they probably haven't even seen Mean Girls at this point Mean Girls <laughs> right is, what 15 years old now jeez 
we're getting old. <laughs> oh, I know. No. All of our favorite movies are getting old. And Buffy turned 20 this year, so... Yeah, 20. So. 20 on Friday. Happy birthday, Buffy. Yeah. <laughs> so, so uh, speaking of movies that are old, uh, this uh, coming up weekend, about two weeks, we get the, the live-action remake of Beauty and the Beast, which is yes. all stirring up controversy because, God forbid, there's a blink-and-you-miss-it gay character uh, in the movie. So, Andy, you had to see it, and I had to work, which was maybe really sad. So, yeah. um, I don't know. Is Again, brief review, we'll dive in deep in two weeks, but... Is it worth well, let, seeing? Let's talk about the blink and you miss it controversy because it really is blink and you miss it. And before we get into this, I just want to say everyone, every single person who I have heard voice a strong opinion on this movie and the controversy has not seen the movie yet. Oh, of course, because there's no reason to, there's, you know, it's alternative facts now. You don't have yeah. to actually go see the movie to have an opinion. Why, why wait? It, it, it's more based on the reactions to what director Bill Condon said in an interview rather than actually looking at the material. It really is blink and you miss it. Like, I, I took my 11-year-old daughter to go see our, our screening, and I talked to her afterwards, and I'm like, didn't you think it was interesting that they made LeFou gay? And she's like... LeFou was gay in that movie? And I'm like... <laughs> well, we always knew LeFou was gay. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, I mean, I, I always kind of figured he was, but the the exclusively gay moment that they have, I, I mean, tiny spoiler alert here, I guess, is at the very end, there's a giant ball and everyone is dancing, and LeFou is dancing with a girl, and then later he's dancing with a man. And that, I guess that's exclusively gay. I, I don't. I don't know. I, I, I don't get it. 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 It's not like he like full on lip locks with Gaston, or they like. What if I wanted to see? <laughs> that, that would be fine. <laughs> I wouldn't. I wouldn't have a problem with that whatsoever. So there's the one camp who is very upset about this because they're irrationally homophobic. Then there is the other camp who's like. Well, why should the gay character be the sidekick villain? Why can't it be another character? This is the interesting part of Beauty and the Beast. Is that one of the things that they've done is actually add textures and layers to the motivations of some of the characters. Specifically Gaston and LeFou. I think they've gotten built out more than any of the other characters from, mm-hmm. from the animated one. And the the idea that LeFou is pining for Gaston through the movie actually helps make him both more believable as a character, but also more sympathetic. And that you realize he's confused. And let, let's just be clear... Like, this is not the first time when we have had the the second-tier villain be gay in a movie mm-hmm. or in a TV show, and that that's somehow problematic. No, that, that has happened many times before. I mean, we could, we could almost say it's art imitating life because we've still got Milo Yiannopoulos running out around there, and he's essentially uh, the second tier villain to Andrew Breitbart and Steve Bannon. So, you know, the 
these things happen. Yeah, well, and, and, and so. to be fair, Milo's been a bit quiet lately for good reason. Oh. So. <laughs> uh, with good reason. <laughs> yeah. So, but I, I don't think that either of these things are controversial, and there's just really no reason for them. If you want to have a problem with the Beauty and the Beast remake, there are problems to be had. The biggest problem is that it is a remake of one of the greatest movies of all time. Yeah. And it's very hard to take a near-perfect movie and improve upon it. This movie, unfortunately, does not. It's very close. It does a great job. And this is... This is very much Beauty and the Beast. This is Beauty and the Beast, undeniably. It... One of the things that I've loved about what Disney has been able to do with their live-action remakes so far is they never felt like they just remade them. It Mm -hmm. always felt like they've gone out of their way to change them and make them different. From everything from, you know, the digital wizardry in The Jungle Book to changing some of the more problematic elements in Cinderella and just completely changing everything about Pete's dragon. Like they, but this is basically like they went and filmed, uh, the Broadway version of beauty and the beast. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's, that's basically it. I mean, they didn't break anything. They, they didn't really mess anything up, but I was kind of hoping for more. Mm -hmm. And what I did get that was more was very good. Like I like I mentioned the the better characterization on Gaston and LeFou. Yeah, there's a moment where the the Beast also has a book that the Enchantress left him that can take him anywhere, anytime, and he can see the outside world that way. Oh, and that's kind of cool. He and he and Belle go and visit Belle's childhood home in Paris. And you learn her backstory. And that is the single best moment in the entire movie. There's a new song that Belle sings about the Paris of her childhood. It's very touching. It's incredibly well done. And I wish that more of the movie had been like that. And if you look at the runtime of this movie, it's two and a half hours long. Yeah, because the original is pretty short. It's it's like an hour and fifty minutes, which Something which like is that, yeah. longer for an animated movie, which normally comes in at around ninety minutes. But if this is a movie for kids, I think that's kind of tough to keep them sitting in a seat in a theater for two and a half hours. That's that's going to be a little tougher. And so I don't think that they took the care to think. Okay, well we're adding all this stuff in. What if anything should we maybe take out? Mm-hmm. And the original is so well paced and really just so perfect in the way it's put together. It's hard to adapt 90% of that and then add in a bunch more stuff and make it work exactly the yeah. same. So I'm not complaining that it's a it's a bad movie. It's just not as perfect as the original animated version, if that makes any sense. And that's the problem that you come to if you're trying to do remakes. Cool. So uh, 
you know, it, 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 you're saying it's good, it's just it's not, it doesn't live up to the original. So where where are you at as far as like a rating? Yeah, I'd, I'd give it a seven and a half. Definitely go, and especially if you're a fan of this, it's really beautiful. And Emma Watson's great. The entire cast is great. Uh, I mean, they do a really great job here. If I have one complaint, it's that you have actors like Ewan McGregor as Lumiere and Ian McKellen as Cogsworth and Emma Thompson as Mrs. Potts. Mm -hmm. And you don't get to see the actors that much in their portrayals. The original characters were so animated and so perfect and you could see their facial expressions. Uh, They were real people in many ways. The candelabra, the clock, and the teapot look like candelabras, clocks, and teapots. And so you don't get a lot of the human emotion. And it's too bad where you have really excellent actors and it just isn't working Mm -hmm. quite the same way. Cool. Well, I mean, it's... I'm so excited to see it. It's, It's... one of my favorite, one of my favorite movies of all time. My favorite Disney movie of all time. Um, yeah, that and Mary Pop- Mary Poppins kind of ties. Yep. Oh, and you've seen the the new pictures from Mary Poppins, right? <laughs> yes, I have. <laughs> oh my goodness! Lin Manuel Miranda is a chimney sweep. It's gonna be amazing. Um, yeah, but yeah, so it was coming out in two weeks. Hopefully, they'll do another screening, or I'll get to see it uh, when you're up here at Fanex. Oh, and speaking of Fanex, uh, what panels are you on this year? So I am doing two different panels. One is a panel that I proposed that I'm really excited that we're doing. It's called Rules for Rebellions, What Star Wars, Harry Potter, Hunger Games Teach Us About Fighting the Power. And the idea for this was we'd get a bunch of kind of activisty people talking about fan activism and what we're doing and how we're taking uh, our interest in all of these fandoms and using it in positive ways to deal with our what's going on in society. And then the awesome people at FanX said, oh yeah, not only are we going to do that, we're going to give you some other cool people. We're going to give you some best-selling authors and Gary Whitta, the one of the co-writers of Rogue One and one of the architects behind uh, Star Wars Rebels. Nice, well, that's really cool. To, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to talk about um, really what's going on. So that's going to be super cool because one of the things I really wanted to talk about on this is like Sagarera and how Sagarera is a radical even among his, um, even among the rebels and how we kind of need to allow for, for that and for people to be different within that. Uh, And that is on Friday at 2 o'clock. And then on Saturday at 11 a.m., I am on a panel called The Doctor Is Out, Who Is 13, uh, which will be all about who the next Doctor should be on Doctor Who. Spoiler alert, I'm Team Atwell. Yes, it's (laughs) It's it's Haley Atwell. (laughs) Um, There's a billion reasons why. If you want to hear all of the reasons why, I hope you've been listening to... Uh, my my other podcast over at whovirgin.com 
we're actually ending that podcast and we're going to be reforming it, uh, regenerating it, uh, a Doctor Whoism, and uh, into something new. But if you want to hear all of the reasons why it should be Haley Atwell, go back and listen to our last episode and um, you can you can hear all the reasons why. Or you can come to the panel and I will reiterate them. Cool. Well, I'm actually excited for both those, um, especially the, the Rebellion one. That one, <clears throat> so I'm, I'm a Doctor Who fan, second to being a Star Wars fan. And mm-hmm. so that's that and tying into being Rebels, really, really cool. Um, so my panel actually is going to be on uh, Saturday afternoon at 5 p.m. Uh, I'm doing the Love is Love is Love is Love LGBT uh, moving forward in 2017 panel. Um, it's funny, we just mentioned Lin-Manuel with Mary Poppins a couple minutes ago, and uh, the... Yep. Uh, inspiration for this panel was based on his uh, Love is Love uh, Tony acceptance speech last year. So if you haven't uh, seen that, just Google Lin-Manuel Tony and it'll be the first thing to pop up. Uh, but yeah, this is going to be really fun. This is my fifth or sixth time doing this panel. Yeah. <clears throat> so they, they seem to like me. <laughs> um, yeah, I'll be moderating it and we'll have my fellow film critic Caitlin Booth on there, our buddy uh, Lucas Fowler, and then some other... Um, uh, Whitney Johnson was on it last FanX and some other people who I've uh, met online but haven't actually met in person so should be pretty fun it's always a really well attended event and yeah it's, it that's should always one of my favorite crowd. panels yes yeah. it's always really good because it's one of the ones that's not only fun to do but also it, it, it makes a difference in people's lives I mean I've had people come to me afterwards or go talk to the panelists and just be like oh wow I thought I was the only person who felt this way or the only person who thought this way and so it's really really cool to get um young people up there and sometimes old people who you know finally found someplace safe they can kind of call their own so yeah yeah so cool so that, that'll be fanx um if anything changes or we get any new updates we'll let you know um andy's coming up here so we're excited for that we'll be hanging out down i'll be hanging out down to monaco i don't know if yep, did you get a room I down will there too. awesome yep. so um yeah comic-con's two weeks away so we're excited for that uh this week the only thing i've got on my docket is uh Kong Skull Island. Kong Skull Island. Yeah, which I'm excited for. So I'm excited for it. It might be a train wreck, but hopefully it'll be an enjoyable train wreck. (laughs) Hopefully it'll be it'll be better than. Well, everyone gives Peter Jackson's King Kong crap. Actually, it's a good movie. You just have to come in an hour late. Yeah. Just forget the first hour exists. (laughs) Yeah, or or skip through just bits and pieces of it, like. Stick around for the Kong T-Rex fight, because that's cool. But yeah, that that movie was a little bit... Oh, well, we could go on about, you know, Peter Jackson's self-indulgent filmmaking. Um, But that's what happens when you win an Oscar and make billions of dollars, and movie studios are like, yes, please do whatever you want. And then (laughs) you're allowed to do whatever you want. Sometimes you need someone to tell you no. Yeah. So you got the person to set up and be like, no. Yep. But, um, yeah. So, I mean, this looks fun, though. Hopefully it'll be good. We got a great cast. Uh, looks really fun and interesting. And it's set up a story for their eventual, which I really can't wait to see, the Godzilla versus King Kong battle. Yeah. <laughs> yep. For the ages. So, yep. yeah, that's, that's all coming up this week. Um, and we'll talk to you next weekend. But until then, hail Satan and have a lovely afternoon. Punk ass tripping, but it's alright. Homie scored a key, he's gonna fly.